Seventh verse Yada Yada Hidhar Masya Granir Bhavati Bharata Abhyutana Madhar Masya Tadatmanam Srajamyaham Paritranaya sadhunam Vinashaya chedushkrutam Dharma samsthapanarthaya Sambhavami yuge yuge Janma karma chame divyam Evam yo veti tatvataha Chaktva deham punar janma Naiti mameti sorjuna Vita ragabhayakrodhaha Manmaya mamupashritaha Bahavognyana tapasa Uta madbhava magataha So Lord Krishna presents himself as the ultimate goal to be sought. Not Lord Krishna as a person, but the principle that Lord Krishna represents, which is the principle of God, or Param Brahma, which is the self of all, which is all in fact. And therefore, what is meant by reaching Lord Krishna is reaching the limitlessness, or reaching the wholeness which is one's nature, and which is everything's nature, which is all there is. What Vedanta teaches all there is, is Krishna. Where the word Krishna means, the word Krishna is made of Krush and Na, these two elements. So, this Krush means to be, and Na means Ananda. Krushihi bhuvachaka shabdaha, nascha nirvati vachakaha. Krush means to be, and Na means Ananda. Krishna means Sat and Ananda. So, Sadananda, Tayoraikyam, Sadananda. So, the word Krishna is explained as meaning Satchidananda, existence, awareness, wholeness. So, when Lord Krishna says, those who come, they come to me, here Lord Krishna does not talk as a person. Throughout, in, essentially everywhere in Bhagavad Gita, except in some places, Lord Krishna some place talks as a person also. 
But generally, he talks either as Ishvara or as Param Brahman. He talks either as Ishvara, who is omniscient, omnipotent, creator, sustainer, dissolver, Saguna Brahman, or he talks as Param Brahma and Nirguna Brahman. So here we said that knowing me thus, knowing the true nature of my birth, knowing the true nature of my karma or action, recognizing that even though there appears to be birth, in fact there is no birth because I am birthless, even though there appears to be action, there is no action because I am actionless. And what is the nature of Lord Krishna is our nature also. Therefore, self is birthless, actionless, knowing that they reach me. Reach me means reach Satchit Ananda, reach the ultimate goal of the life, Satchit This is what everybody wants. What everybody wants is Ananda or happiness. What everyone wants is just happiness. But if you ask what kind of, how, how much happiness do you want, or how long do you want to be happy, the answer will be, I want to be happy all the times. How much happiness do you want? Boundless happiness I want. How long do you want to be happy? All the time. Suppose we give you an injection. You will be sleeping or unconscious and be happy, enjoying that happiness all the time. No, 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 I want to be conscious. Not only I want to be happy, I do not want even an iota of unhappiness at no time and I want to be conscious. I want to know that I am happy. In the sleep also they say that we are happy. That's not enough for us. So I want happiness not conditioned or not limited to time or place. And I want happiness when I am conscious. So happiness is called ananda. Not limited to time is called sat. And consciousness is called chit. So what we are all seeking, an idea again, if I had my way, I would want that happiness without any effort. If I can have the limitless happiness, having to make no effort at all, that would be even desire. That is true. And only one place where I do not need to make effort is with myself. Meaning that the Satchit Ananda, existence, awareness, happiness or wholeness, I want to see as my own self. So this is what you are seeking. So Lord Krishna now says from that standpoint that I am Satchitananda. So really this is a dialogue between not two separate entities. You can say this is a dialogue between ourselves and ourselves. Our true nature which is Satchitananda which is Lord Krishna or Satchitananda is talking to I, the jiva, the ego and, and enlightening me. Like the gold talking to an ornament and enlightening ornament as to what its true nature is. Or the water talking to a whale. Not that water is different from wave, water is the very self of the wave. But the wave does not know that. Wave thinks that I am just a small little name and form. Ornament may not know that I am gold. Ornament may think that I am just a bangle. So you can imagine gold talking to a bangle. And saying, come on, Bengal, why are you sad? Oh, I'm sad because look, this woman is only wearing me in the wrist. 
And all the time I'm Bengal is banging. That's called, I guess that's how the name Bengal must have come, you know. All the time I'm banging everywhere. And look at the, the, the necklace, you know, how lucky it is. You know, totally no problem. No heat, no sun, no wearing, no wear and tear, no banging, you know. And so this Bengal is sad because it is jealous of this necklace. If you go to, if gold goes to the necklace, that also is sad. Because it thinks that Bengal is lucky. The grass is greener than yonder always. And therefore, the necklace says, look, how fortunate Bengal is. Everybody sees that, nobody sees me. And so, I guess everybody has enough reasons to be miserable. Although, you have enough reasons to be happy also. But somehow, the reasons for being miserable seem to outweigh the reasons for being happy. And therefore, that way as we say it, there are thousand places for becoming sad, hundreds of places for becoming miserable. <coughs> Therefore, gold says to Bengal, Hey, why are you sad? Why are you, Ashochana, you are grieving for what doesn't deserve to be grieved for. You are grieving for yourself. You think that you are Bengal, remember you are gold. Therefore, you are also necklace. Necklace is not different from you. Bengal is not different from you. You are the self of all. And therefore, where is the jealousy in one? Jealousy can be there, when there are only two. There are no two, there is one. Come on, Bengal, recognize that. If the Bengal recognizes, there is no grief, it is not so. The grief or sorrow born out of comparison, out of inferiority, out of all kinds of complexes, which are born on account of taking myself as a Bengal, as a name and form. Just shift the attention. Bengal is all right. Not that you are not Bengal, but you are gold first and Bengal second. See, then it can enjoy the Bengalness if it knows that I am gold. This is how Lord Krishna only represents our own self. He is talking to us. But sometimes this text can be interpreted as Lord Krishna the person talking to Arjuna the person. So when Lord Krishna says that they reach me, then you think, you interpret that reaching Lord Krishna as such. Then only the Krishna that was in Vrindavan and then that becomes a different kind of a thing, you know. So there are certain traditions who take, who interpret the meanings that way also. But here we are saying that this must be universal teaching. And therefore, uh, everybody cannot have the same kind of feeling for Lord Krishna that people in India have. How can you take this text to Australia where nobody knows what Krishna is? And who may not be interested in reaching Krishna also? Then would it mean that this text only will be confined to people who are only devotees of Lord Krishna? It should not be. It was universal teaching. But everybody is devotee of Satchidananda, that's for sure. Each one of us, even as we are born, we are devoted to Satchit Ananda, who is not devoted to happiness. Everybody. Basically, we are devotees of happiness. Then devotees of Guru and then devotees of God also. First devotees of happiness. Then devotees of everybody else. Because this Guru and God also are looked upon by us as sources of happiness. Therefore, we are devoted to them. Otherwise not. That's okay. Idea is that each one of us by birth naturally is a devotee of happiness and everlasting happiness and consciously experience happiness. 
If you translate that in technical terms, it means that we are devotees of Sat Chit Ananda. And if you look at our life and all the things that we are doing, whatever activities we are performing in our life also, if you analyze, we will find that this is what we are seeking. Sat means existence, to be always. And there is natural love for existence. I just want to be. I don't want death. Nobody wants death. Everybody wants to be. A natural love for being. Natural love for life. Natural love for existence. And therefore, we do what we can do to stretch out our existence. Therefore, exercise gets more important than meditation because then that helps, you know, I realize that with exercise, I can stretch out my existence. Happy existence. Not only I want to live, live happily. <clears throat> Understandable. This medical science thrives only on account of this man's craving, naturally, for existing. One day more. And everybody wants to stretch out, nobody wants to die. I don't, nobody should want to die also. But that nobody wants to die, everybody wants to survive, shows a natural love for being, for self, for existence. Nobody wants ignorance. Nobody wants to feel that he's ignorant or he's stupid. Nobody wants to feel that he's stupid. Everybody wants to feel that he's smart, that he's, he is knowledgeable. You think I'm stupid? You think I don't know? I also know. And so everybody feels the need to assert that he knows. That shows natural love for knowledge. And nobody wants unhappiness. Nobody wants pain. Everybody naturally wants happiness. So natural love for Sat, existence, Chit, awareness and knowledge, Ananda, happiness. So unknowingly each one of us is pursuing Satchitananda, you should know that. That is why Gita becomes, Vedanta becomes important. That human being's goal is already defined for him. I am here with an agenda. Unknowingly also, just as water unknowingly also flows to a lower level, so also, or a river automatically flows towards the ocean, which is its source and which is its true nature, and so also, all of us are automatically flowing or seeking or trying to reach in the direction of Satchitananda. <clears throat> but that requires intelligent living, otherwise it doesn't happen. If you do not live intelligently, meaning if you do not properly use our free will, then we can quite travel in the opposite direction also and create miseries for us also, which is what human being generally does, unfortunately. Unfortunately, most people, not knowing how to live life, seem to create more misery for themselves. In the process of acquiring happiness, we tend to create more unhappiness. <clears throat> that is lack of intelligent living. That's Vedanta provides intelligence. So when Lord Krishna says, Tattvadeham punarjana naiti mamedi sojana, here Juna, they attain me, they reach me, that me means Satchit Ananda, which is our true nature, which is what everyone is seeking, of what everyone is devotee. So we are all devotees. Then what Krishna represents is Satchit Ananda. 
What Shiva represents, also is Satchitananda. Satchitananda given a form, that's all. It's called Shiva and Krishna and Rama, whatever. It's nothing but same Satchitananda. How to worship him? Because Satchitananda has no form. It's not a tangible entity. And therefore, how to express your worship? Therefore, he's just given a form. Krishna or Rama or Shiva or whatever. Easter Devata, we call it. Therefore, worshipping the devatas also ultimately amounts to worshipping only Satchitananda. <coughs> but anyway, so going back again to the, coming back to the tenth verse, who are the people who reach your Lord? Vitaraga Bhakrodaha. When we, Lord Krishna says, knowing truly as I am, they reach me. How do we know truly as you are? What is required to be done for us to know you truly as you are? Lord Krishna says, a lot of preparation is required. An important preparation is working with our mind and identifying wherever we find raga or attachment, where we find bhaya or, or, or uh, fear, where we find krodha or anger. So when we see that in our mind, we should be constantly working to diffuse those feelings. If raga or attachment arises or craving arises, simple desire is okay. I mean, I'm hungry, there is desire for eating food is a natural thing. I don't think Vedanta would grudge that. That I need a dwelling place. I need clothes to cover my body. I need a car to transfer myself from a place to this. I need a telephone to communicate. That's okay. These desires are all right because they are the desires for things which we require to conduct our day-to-day life. So you require money also, you require all these things are required. That is not called craving, understand? What is called raga or craving is when I cannot do without a certain thing. Clothes are okay, but I must have only brand name clothes. That would be called raga. Food is fine, but only gourmet food, this kind, then that would be called raga. A car is okay, but only a particular kind of car, then that would be called raga. And that part is binding. That I am hungry, that I need food is okay. That is not binding me. But that a particular kind of food I must have. That binds me because it makes me dependent upon that particular thing. If I do not get that particular kind of food, then I'm unhappy. Not recognizing that the primary purpose of food is to appease hunger. Instead of food being looked upon as a means of appeasing hunger, it is looked upon as a means of appeasing my ego. I'm, I want car, a particular kind of car, not only because I want to be transport, I want a tra- means of transportation, but because of identity, this is car, you know, I have a Mercedes, or I have a this, and I have a whatever, BMW, whatever. So that car is used as a means of gratification of ego, understand? That part is binding. So that is called raga, which is what Pujya Swami would say, binding desire, meaning the binding aspect of a desire. Not just a desire, but binding desire. Without desire, there cannot be life. Without some attachment also, there cannot be life. But binding attachment is a problem. This is a natural attachment for my children, for my family, for my friend, that's okay. 
it is that attachment which helps me to take care of them. So that attachment which enables me to care, take care of the people, that is all fine. But binding attachment, that I cannot do without that. That care is, is giving something. But then when I become so used to that, if I don't have the opportunity to give, then I become miserable. That will be called binding. So we have to look out for the binding part of the desire. Very often, when Vedanta not understood properly, would be interpreted as teaching us that, give up all desires. Which is not possible as long as we live. Give up all attachment. Which also would be very difficult as long as we are living in the family and society. What is to be given of the binding part of it? That's called Raga. And so, we can analyze every desire. And before jumping to fulfill the desire, we can ask our mind, what do you expect to achieve as a result of fulfilling desire? Are you seeking to fulfill your natural need or you are seeking to fulfill a cultivated need? Natural need is to appease hunger. Cultivated need is to appease hunger with a particular kind of food, particular kind of thing. So what, do you, what, do you, what does the mind want? So, before doing anything, first thing, first step is to understand things. And so, let us understand our mind. Let us understand its needs. Let us understand its, you know. So, when we find that the mind, this is a binding part, then you have to work with that aspect. Fear. Fear also comes from attachment. As we say in the morning, comes from attachment and aversion. So, wherever there is fear, understand that there is something I want to hold on to. There is something I want to hold on to because my security, happiness depends upon them. I don't want to let it go and the fear is what will happen if that goes away. So fear shows that I am badly dependent upon something for my sense of well-being or security. And the, the, the prospect or possibility of separation from that causes fear. <coughs> Even fear of death also because I want to hold on to my body. I'm not suggesting we should not, but even fear of death also is because I, how can I be without this body? I think that I'll be wiped out when the body is not there. So therefore, any kind of fear always arises from an attachment. Fear shows that there is something I'm attached to, something I'm holding on to, something I don't want to let go. <clears throat> that also shows dependence. Vidraghavai Krodha. Krodha is anger. Anger comes whenever. Anger shows that I am making a demand. Anger shows that I am making a demand upon. I am trying to control somebody or something. So, habit of controlling. Controlling the behavior of other people. Controlling the whole world around me. That's what we generally want. Then I feel comfortable. When I can control people around me, I feel I am in charge. Then I am I'm comfortable, I'm all right. <clears throat> when I cannot control them, <clears throat> I feel that I'm helpless. And so, anger is a result of a frustrated demand when the world does not fulfill my demand, does not oblige me by fulfilling demand. Even little children don't fulfill demand. Where is the question of anybody? He says, no, I'm sorry. 
Can you switch off the TV? I'm sorry. Simple. And so you can do what you want. Therefore, anger, we can learn from every experience of anger. Even when you, uh, you got angry, all right. When the mind comes down, ask the mind, what did you want? Which demand is not fulfilled? Which desire is not fulfilled? Always find some desire, some demand, some expectation. Ask the mind, drop it. Can you drop it? Can you give freedom to the world to be what they are? Don't, don't, don't demand that they should always be for you. Give them the freedom. So, anger will go to the extent that we give the world the freedom to be what it is. Attachment will go when we are happy with what there is. Fear will go when we are willing to accept whatever comes. <clears throat> when can that happen? Man maya, Lord Krishna says, when they are identified with me, when we are surrendered to Ishvara, then all these things also will go. When there is surrender to Ishvara means that we accept Ishvara in our life. Recognizing that, as we said, He is the one who who creates, who does everything. So situation that I am confronting every moment is created by Him. And to the extent that I can accept those things as His prasad or as gift, to that extent, there will be no resentment, there will be no resistance, there will be no anger, there will be no fear. I feel very safe and secure in the lap of Ishvara. And therefore, no fear. I know that He is there. Or, whatever happens always, is he's doing in the effort. I need not be afraid. Whatever happens, happens for my good. <coughs> no craving. Whatever he gives, is fine with me. Whatever he takes away, is fine with me. Whatever he gives, is because that is enough for me. He does not give, because I don't need it. So, what is my manmaya? Identifying with Ishwara meaning, means that we de-identify with the ego, and identify with the order. What is identity with ego? Identity with ego means that I am I am committed to my likes and dislikes, my demands. Drop them, do not resist Ishwara, and let Ishwara enter the life. So Manmayaha, those people who are identified with me, Mamupasitaha, surrender to me. So Manmayaha, those who are identified with me, Mahupasitaha, who are surrendered to me. This me can be either Saguna Brahma or Nirguna Brahma. Me can be, if you look upon it as a devotee, it is Ishwara, the creator, sustainer, or me can be our own self, Satchitananda, Mahupasitaha, Manmaya. So the only thing they do is that this is, they, are, they only want me and nothing else. In their life, they do not want anything other than me. And as we say, if we really analyze what we want, we'll find that the want behind all the wants is only Him, Satchitananda. <coughs> devotees such as this, Bahavaha, many devotees, Jnana Tapasa, Putaha, those are purified by the penance of knowledge. Jnana Tapas, Tapas means penance, Jnana means knowledge, Tapasa by, means by, by penance by the penance in the form of knowledge. So this fourth chapter is a chapter of knowledge. And therefore, 
Here when Lord Krishna means I, he means Param Brahma or Nirgunam Brahma or Satyam Jnanamantam Brahma or Satchit Ananda. So Mahupasitaha, those people who are only seeking the knowledge of the self and nothing else. Jnana Tapasa, by the tapas or penance in the form of knowledge. Meaning that they are simply seeking the knowledge. What is, how do you gain knowledge? By constantly meditating upon or deliberating upon the meaning of the statements of Upanishad. And therefore, those who are devoted, listening to scriptures, Kaushravanam, Maranam, reflecting upon what they will listen to, Nididhyasanam, deep meditation to assimilate what they know. And so, Jnana Tapas, the penance in the form of knowledge, means that a person is devoted to only pursuit of knowledge and he doesn't want anything else. Because there is a conviction that the only problem in my life is one of ignorance. Whatever I look upon as the cause of my unhappiness, I will want to remove that. Therefore we are, through our actions, we are trying to remove the causes of unhappiness or sorrow. But when we recognize that the only cause of unhappiness is ignorance. Not knowing my true nature, not only that, but having a wrong perception about myself. Not only do I not know that I am limitless, but I take myself to be a limited being. This wrong perception is the cause of all my unhappiness and nothing else. If this becomes very clear to me, Vedanta, Vijnana, Sunishchitarthaha. Those people on whom this conviction has come that what Vedanta teaches is right. Vedanta teaches that you are limitless, yes. And that the only reason why you feel a sense of limitation is you do not know this truth about yourself. And therefore, solution to all the problems <coughs> is the knowledge of myself. That's, that's the Sunishchitartha. Therefore, <coughs> there is always conviction behind what we do. The conviction changes, what we do also changes. If the conviction is that the only thing that is bothering me in my life is ignorance. <coughs> ignorance in the form of these wrong notions about myself. Looking upon myself as a limited being and suffering from various complexes of inferiority, superior, whatever. All of these are the result of not knowing myself. And therefore, the way to solve the problem of sadness or sorrow or smallness or unhappiness is to recognize the true nature of myself. And therefore, I would do whatever is required <coughs> to gain that knowledge. If this is my conviction, and that's my commitment, then understand that part of this pursuit of knowledge also is preparing my mind. So making my mind free from the raga, bhaya, krodha, attachment, fear, anger, that also is part of pursuit of knowledge. Karma yoga, performing actions in the spirit of worship also is part of pursuit of knowledge. Bringing Ishwara into our life, surrendering to him, accepting him, giving up resistance to him, all of this bhakti also is part of pursuit of knowledge. 
Sharvanam, listening to scriptures, manam, reflection upon that, is all part of pursuit of knowledge. Mahupasitaha, jnana tapasa, in all of, at every stage, knowledge is always involved because we need to always keep in mind what it is that I am seeking and therefore that has to be always kept in mind. <coughs> and this process is the most purifying process. <coughs> jnana tapasa. What is jnana tapas, penance of knowledge, is all the time to remind myself and focus my mind upon this truth that I am Brahman. And that is, that diffuses any complex which arises from taking myself to be a limited being. So jnana tapasa putaha, we'll discuss this later on also, those who are purified on account of the penance of knowledge, <coughs> Bahava, do not understand, there are many. So in the tradition there have been many aspirants like that, Madhavam Agataha, those who reach my being, meaning those who reach me or those who become liberated. <coughs> so Lord Krishna says that I am the goal, being Satchidananda, and that this pursuit has been, has been an ancient pursuit. And countless people have walked on this path. And then also we feel a little reassured, you know, that this is, when somebody comes with something new, then we wonder, suppose when a pharmaceutical company comes up with a new drug, you'll be, generally you'll be reluctant to try. You won't like to be the first one to try. These days, of course, they have all these trial runs and they try upon innocent human beings, you know, and then whatever, first animals and then human beings. Make them scapegoats. But still, you will want to try something which has, which has uh, proved the taste of time. You know. That's what Lord Krishna says, that this path, this teaching and this pursuit in fact is very ancient and many have walked along this path and attained the goal of their life, meaning that this is a time-tested tradition. <coughs> That's one of, that's, that's all say, said to create Shraddha in Arjuna so that he can have commitment to this path of knowledge. <clears throat> but when Lord Krishna says that these devotees of mine who are devoted to me, who are surrendered to me, they reach me, then somebody can question Swamiji, does it mean that Lord also is partial? That only his devotees reach him. He seems to only help his devotees and not other people. Because in the world also we find everybody is not, everybody is not uh, seeking this knowledge. Everybody is not pursuing this. Many people or most people are astray. They are going in all kinds of directions and you know we see that. How come God doesn't know anything about them? How come Lord you seem to be partial to your devotees? And so you say that they come to me, how about other people? Does it mean that you also suffer from this complex of partiality and cruelty or what? So when Lord Krishna says that those people reach me, that means other people do not reach him, that means that he seems to be partial to some people and cruel to other people. In response to that, Lord Krishna says the 11th verse. 
ये यथामाम प्रपद्यन्ते तामस्तथैव भजाम्यहम् मम वर्तमानुवर्तन्ते मनुष्यापार्थसर्वशः ये यथामाम प्रपद्यन्ते तान तथा एव भजाम्यहम् in whichever way, yatha, in whichever way, or for whatever purpose, for whatever desire end, Lord Krishna says there are many devotees who worship me. But even all the devotees of the Lord do not seem to get the same result. Even all the devotees of the Lord also are not liberated. Even there also there seems to be some classification. That among devotees also a few are liberated, not others. It is said in the seventh chapter, Manushyanam Sahasreshu Kaschid Yatadi Siddhai Yatatamavi Siddhanam Kaschid Maam Veti Tattvataha There is one among thousands who in fact pursues this path. And among thousands who are pursuing this path, there is someone who reaches me. So even among devotees of Lord also, not all of them reach him. What is the reason? So Lord Krishna says, Ye yathamam prapadyante tams tasayabhajamyam In whichever way they worship me. They all worship me all right. But everybody comes with a different agenda. People do worship Ishwara, God. But each one has their own agenda. And therefore, I do not give them moksha. I do not give them moksha because they have no value for moksha. If there is value, I would give them. Like a child who wants a candy. He already has consumed three. Now he wants a fourth candy. You are not going to give him four. No. But then your children mean what they are. He throws... Uh, you know, tantrum and, and cries and uh, creates a big scene. And particularly when your friends are visiting, you know, when a child behaves like that, it becomes very embarrassing. So somehow you want to quieten the child, appease the child. So you say, oh, okay, all right. You take out a wristwatch, a Rolex golden wristwatch from your wrist and give it to them. Come on, take this, okay? I'm giving you. In your opinion, you're giving a very valuable thing to the child. Child takes and just throws it away. He wants candy. He doesn't care for a $2,000 watch. He just wants a $2, uh, two, you know, two cent candy. That's what he wants. And therefore, there is no point in giving to a child something other than what he wants because he has no value for it. That is his level of maturity so far that all he can see is nothing but candy. That is the most important thing for the child. And therefore, if you give him this thing, some precious jewel, he'll throw it away. Similarly, Lord Krishna says that the devotees coming to me have different levels of maturity. And therefore, there are very rare few who have the value for moksha. Most other people only want mundane things in their life. They don't want these things. Many devotees come to me only when they are in great difficulty. And when they do not find any way out of the difficulty, that is when they come to me, as a last resort. 
Okay, and, and, and pray to me. Worship me. Oh Lord, please release me. And I do that. That's what I give them. Lord Krishna says that I give them what they want. In as much as devotees want different things, therefore you find me giving them different things and not everybody, not giving moksha to everybody. We have told you this story earlier also, when, when Lord appeared as Nrsimha, as half-lion and half-man, to bless his devotee, that child Prahlada, who was being tortured by his own father, Hiranyakashipu. What an amount of torturing! As I said yesterday, the Hiranyakashipu was a demon who declared that I am God, worship me. Don't say Om Namo Narayana, say Om Namo Hiranyaya. And everybody was, but except his own son. His son was a devotee of Lord Narayana. You know why? I shouldn't say only why, but one of the important reasons is when he was pregnant, this Prahlada, when his mother was pregnant, when he was in the womb of his mother, at that time, his mother was taken to sage Narada in his ashrama. And that is where she spent the last months of her pregnancy. And every day says Narada would sing the glories of the Lord. They say the child also becomes conscious, I guess. He starts understanding in, in the last three months or something like that. So, that's what it must have been. And therefore, this child in the womb was listening to the glories of the Lord. I don't know what transformation happened in the mother, but it happened in the child. So, as the child, even he was born, he was born a great devotee of Lord Narayana. So, in spite of his father telling me, worship me, Narayana, don't, don't utter his name because he just hated him. He hated this Narayana, hated Hari, hated Vishnu, hated God. But his boy would keep on repeating that name. To convert him, this boy was sent to Gurukulam, to two demon gurus, you know. Come on, teach this fellow, give him some sense. They tried very hard to convert him. But instead he converted all his guru, all the other children were converted by this one. After the classes he would assemble everybody and then kneel recite, come on, chant, Om Namo Narayana. After some time the father asked the guru, come on, bring the child, let me see what he has learnt. So this guru brings the child, says, come on, what have you learnt? Om Namo Narayana. So the father is angry. At the guru also. He was going to punish him. He says, no, no, please, you know, I, I haven't taught him this. Come on, try again. Again he goes, again. Again he comes back. He's defying his father. And his father is this, why should be killed? And all efforts were made to kill him. He was thrown on the top of the mountain. He was, uh, they tried to uh, drown him in water. And in fact, an elephant ran over him. What torture? He says, just hurry, hurry, hurry. Nothing happened to him. And finally the father was so mad. He says, I'm going to kill you now. Let me see where your hurry is. Where is your hurry? Where is your Narayana? He's everywhere. You mean he's in this pillar also? Yes. Let me see where he comes out. And he took his sword and was about to kill the child. And from the pillar, really came out hurry, Narahari. And so half lion, Hari also means lion. Half lion and half man. 
and he killed this Hiranyakashipu. This is the story. Because Paritranaya Sadhunam, to protect my devotees. In, in some places, like in Bhagavatam, Lord Krishna says that, I don't get too mad when they hate me or when they condemn me. It doesn't matter much to me. But when they start harassing my devotees, then I cannot stand. So we'll find that it is whenever the devotees have been harassed or tortured, something has happened. So he appeared and killed them. And then says to this child Prahlada, Come on Prahlada, I'm very happy with you. Come with me to Vaikuntha. I would come here to take you to Vaikuntha. The child also is, 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 is too wise, you know, over wise. Says, Lord, oh, I'm very happy that you are asking me to come to Vaikuntha. But I cannot come alone. Will you please let me, have all my friends also join me? Because they are all with me. So Lord says, with one condition, they should want to come. Okay, then I'll take them. Sure, who would not want to come to Vaikuntha? And then he goes to his friend and says, Come on, Lord has come here. He is going to take us to Vaikuntha. Let us all go. So what Vaikuntha? You don't know. Vaikuntha is the abode of the Lord. What will you do there? His friend says, hey, Wait a minute. We still have to do a lot of things. We have to get, still have to play. We have to grow up. We have to get married. We have to make fun. We will talk about Vaikuntha later. Nobody was, you know, ready. So Lord Krishna says, What can I do? Even if I give them Vaikuntha, they have no value for it. They want only their toys, that's all. They want their playthings, they don't want this. People are immature. So many devotees come to me merely because they are in great trouble, they want me to save them. Once I, they forget me, they are on their own way, then I am in my place, you know. They, then they remember again, when again another trouble comes. <coughs> There are a few more mature devotees who come to me whenever they need anything to fulfill their desires. Artharthi. I fulfill their desires. Some people want money, I give them that. Some people want this, whatever they want, I give them. There are a few who want to know me, who come to me for knowledge. I give them knowledge. And there are very, very few who want liberated moksha, I give them that. So Arjuna, I am not partial to anybody. I'm not cruel to anybody, except that people do not have value for moksha. Therefore, an important thing is for us to discover a value for moksha. That, that is a desire behind all the desire, that is what we are seeking, we do not realize that. And we think that we want this and that thing of the world, but through those things ultimately we are seeking only moksha. When that becomes a priority, then everything else in the life will change. But anyway, therefore Lord Krishna says that, I give them, I give my devotees what it is that they want. Muvartmanuvartande manushya partha sarvashaha hi partha. In every way, all the devotees in fact follow only my path. <coughs> in all ways, people are following my path. In, in short, I am the person who gives everything, you know. Wherever they go, ultimately the giver of the fruits of action is only one Lord, Ishwara. He is called Karmafaladatha. He is called the dispenser of the results of action. So whenever any action is performed by anybody, 
the result of action always comes from him. In that sense, everybody comes to me. Or we can say that, Arjuna understand that ultimately everybody wants me. Knowingly or unknowingly. As you just said, knowingly or unknowingly, each one of us wants only Satchit Ananda. And therefore, they all follow my path only. They always want me. But at the same time, <clears throat> so here Lord Krishna declares that I'm ready to give them whatever they want. And fortunately, by giving, he does not become less. See, by giving, if you are reduced, then perhaps there may be some hesitation in giving. But Lord being infinite, by giving, there is no reduction. Therefore, he is available to give whatever we want. If this is so, then how come Lord, people are, they do not all worship you? How come they do not worship you with Satchidananda? How come they do not worship you with the limitless? How come they do not worship with the self? How come you find them worshipping all kinds of things? Some people worship money, some people worship power, some people worship heaven, some people worship this God and that, all little things. They all want little things in life. How come? So in answer to that, Lord Krishna says, the twelfth verse, <clears throat> Kaṁśantah karmanam siddhim yajanta iha devataha kshipram himānuṣe loke siddhir bhavati karmaja <clears throat> Kaṅkṣantah karmanam siddhim Karmanam siddhim Kaṅkṣantah Desiring the fruits of their action Desiring the results of their action Meaning desiring various worldly things Iha devataha yajante Lord Krishna says that They do not worship me They worship other gods Lesser gods <coughs> What is meant by worshiping other devatas? Meaning that they are not seeking me. They are seeking smaller ends. They are seeking limited things in life. They are seeking only worldly achievements. Even those who worship Lord Krishna, when Lord Krishna says that they they do not worship me, or they worship other devatas, what is meant is that even when a person worships Lord Krishna, let us say, for a limited gain, that means that he is not really worshipping Lord Krishna, he is worshipping somebody else. When, when we understand Lord Krishna stands for the limitless, then if I go to any, any, it is, this is not that I have to worship only Lord Krishna, I can worship any devata. I can be a devotee of Lord Ganesha, or Lord Dakshinamurti, or Lord Shiva, or Lord Krishna, or Lord, or anybody, or anybody for that matter, whatever the tradition is. It does not matter which name and form I worship. What is important is, what form am I worshipping? And what is my perception of that name and form? How do I look upon Lord Ganesha? How do I relate to him? Do I look upon Lord Ganesha merely as remover of my obstacles? So from Lord Ganesha I can invoke only this aspect as remover of obstacles, which is the 
which is for what for is worship the most or I can invoke from same Lord Ganesha also Saguna Brahma the creator sustainer dissolver that Saguna Brahma Ishwara that also I can invoke or I can invoke from Lord Ganesha also Nirguna Brahma Satyam Jnana Satchidananda also I can invoke one Ganesha stands for everything he stands for a particular devata who does particular thing like removal of obstacles or like or fulfilling some desires. He also stands for Ishvara who is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He also stands for Param Brahma who is the truth transcends everything. It is up to me what I invoke from him. So when I pray to Ganesha, what do I invoke from him? So when Ganesha says they don't worship me, he says that I am Satchidananda, I am the limitless. People come to me all right, but only for paltry things. They just want to pass the examination. They want to pass a certain test. They want just a job. They just want some promotion. They want, okay. So even though they are supposedly worshipping Lord Ganesha, they are not worshipping the limitless that Ganesha is. They are only invoking a small aspect of Ganesha. Understand? What are we invoking? When you, you know, when you're seeking somebody's favor, like this king, as I said, is going with his retinue, he's riding his elephant, and his whole retinue is there. It's going along his his, his kingdom, and he comes to outskirts of his of his uh, of the of the uh, town, and he sees a man seated under a, a tree and, and weeping. So his king asked this man, Hey, who are you? So, sir, I'm a beggar. Why are you weeping? I don't want anybody in my kingdom to be unhappy. What do you want? What can I give you? He says, Oh, king, I just broke my begging ball. Can you give me a new begging ball? All right. So from the king, this fellow is invoking how much? Just the giver of a begging ball. You could ask for anything. But that's all you can ask for. And so, so, what am I invoking from, from any God? I'm invoking merely a giver or fulfiller of a small desire? Or do I want him to just remove my trouble? Do I just want him to fulfill a desire? Or do I want him to give knowledge? What do I want? And therefore, in whichever way Lord Krishna or Lord says, in whichever way they invoke me in that manner, I bless them, I favor them. And this moksha marga, this path of moksha, is, it does not seem to yield results right away. The path of knowledge also does not seem to yield the results right away. Because it requires a lot of preparation, it requires purification of mind. And therefore now we have a choice of performing our action as a means of fulfilling a mundane desire or we have the choice to perform the same action as a means of purification of mind. Either I can perform an action to fulfill my ragadveshas or I can perform the same action to Neutralize the Ragadvesha. That choice is with me. This is where the freedom of choice comes. I may not have choice in performing, in choosing what action to perform. But I have a choice 
in determining how I want to perform the action. Is this action performed to full satisfy my likes and dislikes? Or is action performed to reduce my likes and dislikes? As we said earlier, is this action performed to gratify the ego? Or is action performed as a worship of Lord? So, seeking knowledge requires this maturity of mind, requires purification of heart, and that seems to be a little long process. As, you know, therefore, people have no patience. People, therefore, they go for something that yield results right away. So, perform an action, and you get the result. The worldly result comes right away. But result in terms of knowledge comes later on because it requires an intermediate step, antahakana suddhi, purification of mind. So here Lord Krishna says that nobody is seeking purification of mind, everybody is seeking only fulfilling worldly desires, and it's easy to do. Kshipramhimanushyaloke siddhir bhavati karmaja. When you perform an action, when you worship Lord to fulfill a desire, that desire is easily fulfilled, and therefore people take that path of worshipping God even just to fulfill the desires and not to become free from desires. So you can ask God to please make me free from desire. Or you can ask God to please fulfill this desire. Becoming free from desire is a long path. Fulfilling desire is an immediate path. So there is immediate gratification. The idea is that in fulfilling the desire there is immediate gratification. Whereas, in becoming free from desire, there is a very delayed gratification. Since people want immediate gratification, therefore, they perform desire-prompted actions. Even if they worship God, they worship Him only to fulfill their desires, because that gives immediate gratification. So, since human beings want immediate gratification, they do not worship Me, they only worship little devatas, or they only invoke a limited aspect of me, but do not invoke the limitless that I am. And that's the reason why all people come to me with only small desires. And that's why I fulfill them. That's why you find me not giving moksha to everybody because they do not want it. Because that viveka or the discernment has not arisen in them. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavantaupunapunahishvarogururatmeti Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Badvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaya Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru